I'm Kimberly Hayes Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Season 2 of, of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are a dynamic duo bringing you insight and knowledge into the ever-evolving world of grants, development, and fundraising. Full disclosure, y'all. We're Southern. Southern. You may hear a y'all. Mm-hmm. Already happened once. Yep. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Season 2 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, and grant mock review. Visit their website, www.dhleonardconsulting.com to learn more. I don't know about you, Kimberly, but I'm feeling a little bit like Oprah with today's episode. Well, absolutely. Uh, first of all, I helicoptered here to the <laughs> studio, and I, I'm wearing cashmere pajamas, and I have several little dogs that are um, muted and lying at my feet. But also, actually, uh, like Oprah, I, I love me some bread, and I love to read. So actually, okay, I am feeling like Oprah. We're practically Oprah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I have a great friend who just happened to work with me, just like Gail, but that will be you. I get to be Gail. I'll take it. Yay. And of course, we're both media titans now, so there is that similarity to Oprah. <laughs> so that being said, I feel super confident unveiling a list of our favorite things we have discovered over the course of preparing for and creating season two of the Fundraising Heyday podcast. That's right, my friends. Mm-hmm. So sit back. Crank up the volume in your headphones or on your car stereo and listen to the Fundraising Heyday's first installment of the Transformative Top 10. A list of our favorite things. No extra charge for that little operatic (laughs) insert there. Okay, so um, I get to start because I'm Gail. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I'm going to say... um, Kind of taking us back to our very first mm-hmm. episode this mm-hmm. season where we interviewed Vule, but the book Unicorns Unite, How Nonprofits and Foundations Can Build Epic Partnerships. And this was by Vule, but also he co-authored it. Um, and if I pronounce your name wrong, please forgive me. Um, but by Jessamine Shams Lau and Jane Lu. I believe is how you say that. So that they wrote this book. Um, So if you've listened to some of our previous episodes, you've probably heard me talk about my love of reading and how mostly that just centers on the fiction genre and I read for escape. And yes, I I learn new words and new things too. It's always a learning experience, but nonprofit reading, nonprofit, excuse me, nonfiction reading is really not my most favorite thing. Now that wasn't quite the time. Nonprofit (laughs) reading. No, nonprofit reading. When I'm losing money because I'm sitting down. Well, you know, as a consultant now if i do read during the day it is non-profit because <laughs> yes. i ain't profiting exactly. because I'm, I'm in my green zone and i'm not earning money but anyway another episode for another time this is true mm-hmm. so uh, but anyway so i really had not read anything in the educational arena of grants at, at this you know a couple of years ago as of a year or two ago but my co-host here is starting to convince me that i really am missing out on some very valuable information and Nonfiction does not equal boring. Oh, girl. No. And it can, but and fiction can too, really, depending actually, on the book, right? True. So I read Unicorns Unite in preparation of our podcast interview with Vu, um, because how can you interview an author without ever having read his or her book, right? Yeah, it happens all the time, but not in this podcast, my friends. So what I found was this thing was jam-packed with fabulous information, great tools for putting all of these fabulous ideas into action, 
on both sides of the funder dollar. So mm-hmm. both for funders and people trying to be recipients of that funding. And on top of that, it was a really fast and easy read. So I recommend if you're going to read it, get the real book. Um, I bought it on ebook on my Kindle. There's a lot of um, tools and worksheets in mm-hmm. the back that just don't translate well. It's hard to see some of the things. Plus, the illustrations are amazing in this book. And you don't see that in the e-reader. You know, there's some unicorns with their eyebrows so on fleek she said once again (laughs) using outdated slang because she thinks it's funny um but yeah it's just it is it's if you are like me and are like eh I really don't want, I've already do enough reading. I don't need, this is really a great intro because it's not a very big book. It is a lot of illustrations, a lot of to-do checklists and things that are very helpful. So you can take what you've learned and immediately implement it. Um, and it's just, it was, it was good reading, I mm-hmm. thought. So that's, that would be my first thing um, of this season that I learned Your and favorite, loved. one of your yes. first favorite things. Well, I'm going to slide in next with um, one of my favorite things. And it's another book. And I read the book. to read. Mm, the whole book and nothing but the book and this was um decolonizing wealth and we were thrilled to not only read the book but also to reach out through our network of women achievers aka the grant professionals book club because it's a real thing y'all but the first rule of it book club is that you don't talk about book club. <laughs> but um, I asked for some help to reach out to Edgar Villanueva's uh, publicists, agents, and assistants, and boom! Shakalaka. <laughs> mm, he's there on Skype sharing not only his own journey as a Lumbee Indian from Eastern North Carolina to a leading voice for change in the world of philanthropy, but he's also in this book, he just turns this fierce burning spotlight on how the grant-making sausage is made, <laughs> and what needs to change. It took me so far beyond what I have spent a lot of time on in my formative grant development years, which is the how-to, which is very important. Oh, you've got to have that that base um, to be able to start instituting change, right? you got to know what you're talking about first. Mm-hmm. So there are two things that I want to hold up here that are so important to me in this podcast, I don't want to speak for you. So I'll just speak for me and we'll see how it goes is number one, it's getting the how to's out there the how do you do this? How do you finesse that's what's the way to raise money through fundraising techniques or get more grants or what have you. So the how to's are important. But I think taking a step back and looking into the hows of the how to and the whys of the how to that's sort of looking at the whole system and what I am learning through my reading books like Decolonizing Wealth and my discussions and my own personal experience, sharing that with my co-host and other people, is that there is a greater need for systemic change in the overall world of philanthropy. And this book, Decolonizing Wealth, is a great way to introduce yourself to that topic if you haven't really thought about it before and to get more acquainted to it. But it's also a touchstone for me, that and and other works like Vu's book and other folks who are out there just kind of broadening that discussion. It's like, here's how to play this game but let's look also at the rules of the game and how it needs to be reformed so that it is more of a social change instead of a game. Yeah. If that makes any sense. And I think it's just nice to kind of hear from folks and kind of 
I hate to say have permission, but it's almost like, yeah. If you haven't done it before and hadn't thought beyond that, it's kind of nice to hear people saying, you know, it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to suggest other ideas. And it may take a while for it to get there, but change is never going to happen if we don't start now working. Yeah. And asking the questions. I was certainly raised, although I ignored most of this in my <laughs> formative years, you know, be nice. Uh, if you can't say anything nice, don't, don't say, say anything, anything at all. all. Yeah, that's really not the way to get stuff done. And, and I think we all know that. And you can still be nice about it. It's just... You can. You can. Or yeah. not. <laughs> so next up, Amanda, what is next up for you? So if you're c- coming along with us, we're on number three now of our top 10 list. Um, Correct. My number three here is a touchscreen <laughs> computer screen. Ta-da! And I, I know, I, some of you are probably like, seriously, Amanda, I've had one for five years. What are you doing? I know it's nothing wild and crazy, but I just got one at the start of 2019 and I cannot tell you how much I love it. So much that when I sometimes sit with Kimberly at her computer, I'm trying to use hers as a touchscreen. Yeah, because like, I basically have a pause off. My no, <laughs> that's not true. I just kind of giggle. Basically, y'all, what I'm using is a, um, uh, a marble uh, slab and a, and a chisel. Um, and it, but it just looks really important and formal. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Talk on. Anyway, so um, it's just we use touchscreens with our phones yep. and tablets and so many other things that I found myself constantly trying to do that with my own laptop and I've seen other people with it and it's just so convenient and it's just fabulous and usually um, like my computer here I've got um, which I'll tell you I know you some of these are very expensive mine is an HP it was not that expensive I basically told my tech geeky son who's a teenager like hey I need a computer that does x y and z and I want it to be touchscreen and I want it to turn into a tablet versus only a laptop and he found me a great deal and he's like hey mom it does all that and I'm like great sold let's go get it um but I do love that it can be a tablet so it's smaller I'm on a plane a lot so Mm -hmm. that way I can still read things and you can if there's a stylus pen that you can write handwritten notes on it it's just again I know this is not a new novel thing but it's new to me and it's a favorite thing It's it's a fun toy and it works and I love it it's a great tool no shame in your tech game nope so my next favorite thing, which is number four, for those of y'all keeping score at home, came out, it's another book. Okay, let me just let me just pop that bubble of suspense, but let me tell you why. So in this last year, I started my own business after being an employee for more than 25 years, co-hosted two seasons of Fundraising Heyday, crisscrossed the country as a trainer, helped secure more than $14 million in grant funding in the last year as a consultant, and pushed ahead in drafting my second young adult manuscript. So that's a fi- that's fiction. That's yes. writing for young adults. The stuff I love to read. <laughs> but also some sad things happened fairly recently and some health things. And I, I didn't understand why. I couldn't sleep, couldn't heal. And I just seemed to exist in a molten river of rage. That's the only way I can describe <laughs> it. And people are like, get in touch with your feelings. I'm like, my feelings will burn you. <laughs> and they are right here. So anyway, um, in the aforementioned Grant Pro Book Club, a suggestion for um, a reading was the book called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by um, two uh, by twins, actually, Emily and Amelia Nagoski. And reading that book, although 
full disclosure, I don't usually read self-help books because I'm oddly resistant to that. And I think, same. yeah, I'm like, Shocker. Oh. <laughs> I mean, do not tell me that I need to move more and eat less. Girl, I know that. Help me figure out the <laughs> how, how to do it. and the why I don't do it when I have a chance and what's going on. And also this molten river of rage. So reading this book was an important step in helping me come to grips, not only with the choices I have made, but how I have let societal pressures sort of run me in unexpected ways, ways that I didn't even realize. And if anything, I've described the Molten River of Rage, which will have its own podcast soon, just called Kimberly's Molten River of Rage. <laughs> that, that could actually be a very entertaining and yet sad podcast <laughs> sad sad but seriously if that's if you're even if you're doing new things that excite you but then life comes along and you're you're wanting to do good but you can't do good by your own self if anything I have said touches anything that you're experiencing I really think you ought to give this a read it's um entertaining and helpful and thought-provoking and I don't always get that off a self-help bookshelf in fact I rarely do so I urge you to give it a read it's on my to-do to-do read list and let me tell you Kimberly has not suggested a bad book Aww. and she suggested lots to me so um, I may read, read it, it well together. I make gosh yes we could <laughs> they I you know what I think they would be if they would grace us with their presence on this podcast in an upcoming season I would be thrilled I think there's a lot of value and um help and what they could bring to the table well there's a lot of conferences that are have started adding more you know reducing burnout and self-help because if you can't keep yourself healthy you're not going to be able to do good work for other people that's true where this book takes it a step further it's not just take a long bath first of all i hate long baths but that's not the point <laughs> drink a green smoothie i'm like yeah i can drink a green smoothie and straight up almonds i can eat them i can eat the whole can that is not the point but it's not only are there things internally going on with you, but there are things in the way that society is set up, our culture is set up. And particularly as a woman as, or as a person of color and or both, there are things and it is real. Yeah. And this can kind of help you see, I can manage stress, but I also need to be aware that there's a larger thing causing that stretch. It's kind of the same idea as decolonizing wealth, only you know a personal perspective a personal perspective mm -hmm. versus philanthropic perspective i suddenly feel the need to break into that billy joel song we didn't start the fire <laughs> it was always burning <laughs> oh i wish you wouldn't because it's going to call up my molten river of that's rage that's what made me think of it okay. can you can you make up a dessert or something that's called molten river of rage oh my god Does would it be oh, molten oh, chocolate oh, cake oh, oh. but what if what? it was savory what if it was savory and the molten river of rage was actually some sort of cashew cream sauce with hot sauce in it <laughs> Oh, my God. I, I wish you could see her salivating right now. <laughs> oh, y'all. Anyway, y please, I'm sorry. Please go ahead, Amanda, with number five. Well, now I just want to go out and get dessert. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but alas, we're, we, we're, we're Oprah and we're giving our top ten. So we got to get moving. And you number get a pie. Five. And you get a pie. And you get a pie. Go ahead. Um, number five. Now, this is 
uh, another one of these new to me. Some of you may be like, Amanda, I've been doing this for years. Where have you been? Um, but this is a quick research tool, okay? And let me first explain. I learned this from a librarian who works for the University of Buffalo. I was teaching a grant writing class there in 2019. Um, and so when we were talking about doing research and making sure your research is actually truthful and oh, the imagine right kind that. of thing. Um, so whether you're looking for stuff for your need statement or other parts of your proposal, most of us turn to the internet, right, to get our information. So it's, you know, back in the day, we'd go to the card catalog of the library and, but I'm sure Let me do the... But most of us go to the internet these days, but the problem is not everything on the internet is legit, right? What? What? Oh, come on, Amanda, really? I know. Oh, y'all, this is really a revelation. Okay. No, it's not. So... If we go under the assumption that we can reasonably trust information, particularly data shared mm-hmm. by our government agencies, whether it's Fed or state or whoever, which, mm-hmm. you know, most of that mm-hmm. data is, you know, mm-hmm. then you may want to add a phrase in your search engine where you can only get information from government websites, which those websites end in .gov. Okay, Correct. so you're going to go onto Google and mm-hmm. in your search term, let's say I'm trying to look up data about homelessness. I can type in homelessness space and then i'm going to type in the word site s-i-t-e as in website yes i'm going to include right no space a colon dot gov so site colon dot gov no spaces in there and y'all the colon is what you used to use to make that emoticon with the two eyes <laughs> yes yeah you want the two eyes not the, the winky eyes. eye and yes. the other eye so that will give me whatever, and then I can put in what other search terms I want too, but that's going to give me only responses from websites that have that .gov extension on the internet, meaning they're going to be a government agency. Mm-hmm. Another option might be if you want information maybe only from educational, whether it's K-12 schools or universities, you, instead of doing using .gov, use .edu mm-hmm. for education, okay? So I just thought that was awesome and a great way to narrow some searching. It's a fantastic it shortcut. It's, and it's simple and it's free and P.S. librarians are freaking awesome. Oh my so gosh. If I, I had a top oh. my true top ten would probably be library, librarians, library, librarians books, 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 books. But in the interest of spicing it up a little just bit. Just a little bit. And now I feel like singing Spice Girls. You're just breaking out my I'll tell you what I want. <laughs> what I really, really want. You want number six. You want number six. I'm going to give it to you. Here we go. So if you can't get to your local public libraries or research libraries, which are indeed staffed by awesome, helpful people, and you are struggling to find studies, meta-analyses, and other research documents to help you write grants or case statements for a capital campaign or presentations to a major donor or such other things that might be of uh, assistance to you again this this calls uh out to the hey welcome to the early 2000s kimberly but i'm just saying i'm going (laughs) to talk about it now google scholar i know i'm bowing down to our google overlords and i'm sorry about that but if you are not able to get out of the house or leave the office or access these tools Uh, in person, if you will, because you're too busy, too far away, or what have you, Google Scholar can be a great sort of gateway into pointing you toward um, research that is viable for use in those kinds of things, need statements for grants, case statements, major donor presentations, what have you. The way they present the citations 
along with the sources um, that, that are listed and the number of sites that each article has, yeah. that can really point you in the right direction. And no, I'm not a reference librarian, and I know enough just to be dangerous in Google Scholar, but it can point you where you need to go, and then the next step would maybe be visiting a library or, or calling on the phone or checking in to see if you could access some of these journals. And again, when we're talking about legitimate research, we're talking about things that have ideally gold standard studies that have been published in a peer reviewed journal, yes. which you may not find at my friend just told me this.com or, <laughs> you know, through a, a post on social media or what have you. But if you can get started in this direction and then maybe you can go to the library, they may be able to put you in, in uh, touch with other facilities that have those journals that could get you an article for a much smaller fee than maybe paying $400 a year to subscribe to a journal that you're only going to use once, mm -hmm. for example. Um, it's just a great, it's a great start. And it's Google Scholar. You Google Google Scholar, and you put in what it is you want to search, you may need to, to fool around a little bit with your keywords to get you where you need to be. But it is, for now, a great free service that can really help out a lot of folks. And the more people I meet, sort of crossing the country and training folks who may never have worked with grants before, the more I see this can be of utility, because a lot of folks have started grant writing as on other duties as assigned mm -hmm. part of their jobs and it may have been a minute since they have written research papers or anything like that and i feel like this is a good um tool that more people should know about when they're in fields like ours yeah and it's like you said it gives you the citation so when you put in your search and it starts listing all the articles underneath each article there's a it shows you how many citations it's going to have a little set of quotations and if you hover over it that is going to show you how to cite that article, whether you're using MLA, APA, Chicago. There's like four other options I didn't even know existed, oh, yeah. right? And so, because if you're like me, it's been a long time since I've had to write a research paper and had to use an APA style. But it, it tells you what that citation is. So it's, And even if you don't have room in your, say you're doing an online grant proposal or you're writing a fundraising letter, yeah. you're not going to be citing all that stuff. But keep it at, keep a separate Word document of those citations because you're probably going to go back to it yeah or people may be interested and you may be able to send them the links and so yeah it's just a good tool it really is wanted to let you know about it if you didn't already very cool and clearly we love libraries mm, mm. um so number seven on my list is the national grant management association's annual training i know grant management training Woo Woo. Um, but every year in april um, in washington dc and uh, the national grant management association or ngma they have their annual conference okay so they've been around for quite a while i've known about them but this is the first time i've attended and mind you i've been managing grants since 2001 okay so she started as a child y'all yeah two mm. um <laughs> but so even though i've been doing this a long time and i feel like i'm pretty well versed in it I still learned so many things at this two and a half day conference. That's cool. Um, and one of the things that was neat about it is a huge chunk of the audience are actually federal employees and people who work for dif different federal agencies. Um, 
And so many of these folks are teaching the classes. A lot of attorneys are teaching the classes. And so you truly get to learn from the experts. Okay. And there's about a thousand people at this conference. So there's quite a few people. A lot of the federal agencies have booths. They were very happy to talk to you, answer questions. Um, It's just even folks I just sat down next to at lunch, I was able to chat them up and ask questions. So um, I would say, I think if I had gone to this conference when I was only a year or two into the field, it probably would have scared me off from grant management just because it was so much information and almost so overwhelming even for me for having done it a long time because I mean you've got all these impressive people that are like again lawyers and attorneys and which is the same thing I don't know why I said that Um, but anyway so that that work for the federal agencies but um, I highly recommend you just go and go with an open mind knowing you're going to learn all kinds of new stuff and you just kind of take it one bite at a time. It's probably the best way to, and I'm still digesting some of the things. I just took lots of good notes and mm-hmm. I've been using them as I need them. So, so you would recommend this for people who are really heavily involved in particularly federal, federal grant management. Yes. Yeah. If you don't do any federal grants and you're not managing anything, this is Go not the conference then. for no, you. Nope. Um, so, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Okay. Well, sort of taking another step away from person to person you'll notice Amanda's all about and talk to your librarian and go to this conference and I'm all about read this book and google this so you know (laughs) different strokes for different folks Um, but something that I have discovered in the last year that has more far-reaching implications into yes my work life yes the podcast but also on my personal and spiritual world as well is um, something called the Enneagram. And you, if you've heard of it before, it, it's a way of classifying personalities. And usually I got to back up and say, I usually, man, I hate those tests that you'd have to go, go through at work. It's like, take this test and we'll determine what kind of employee you are. Or even um, in more entertainment aspects and other folks who may be very deeply into astrology, it's like, well, you're a Gemini, so you're always going to be two-faced. Or you're a Libra <laughs> like me and you're always seeking balance. I'm like, you know, when you start putting me into categories or anyone else and saying people like this always act like that, it just makes me deeply uncomfortable. But Over the past few months, I've been reading and learning and talking uh, on a deeper level with people who know a whole lot more than I do about the Enneagram. It's a guide. It's a way of looking at yourself, again, as I said, by identifying your traits through nine different personality types. But it goes beyond that to look at ways that um, you can combine your different paths to psychological and spiritual growth. In other words... If you're a one like me that's all about perfectionism, it doesn't mean that you're doomed to toil under the crushing burden of trying to be perfect in certain aspects. Molten lava. I'm of rage. <laughs> oh, yes. Whew. Um, and also, I have to take a quick side note. I have been working with a spiritual director who's associated um, with, um, with a, a church that I attend. And... And one day she very politely said to me, so lovingly and kindly, and she's like, hey, you may, because of who you are, you you may be sort of laboring under this extra burden of being a perfectionist. And I'm going to edit my reply because this is a family podcast. <laughs> but I said to her, and I wasn't angry, but I said, how can I be a mm, me, perfectionist <laughs> because I can't do anything mm, right? So just let that sit there for a minute. And then I looked at her. I'm like, oh, 
Oh, is, ah, is that what you're talking about? So I'm just saying that this is not a way to box yourself or others. This is maybe a way to get into deeper understanding about why, when you're not being mindful, why you might go to this particular behavioral pattern or thing. And also, if you understand around you where people might fall on these nine different kinds of ways, it'll help you be maybe a little more understanding or help you learn how to communicate or work with people who are very different than you just because they're kind of wired up that way. They're wired that way and they're raised that way. It's nature and nurture. But anyway, um, I think that it could be a fantastic future podcast episode. Just putting that out there. And there's so many books that I've read about this. I am not going to list them. But I just <laughs> want you to know that it's something that it's one of my uh, favorite things of this past season that I wanted to share. Very good. And it's one of those things when Kimberly mentioned it to me not too long ago, and I felt like I'd never heard of Enneagrams before. And I'm like, what is this thing of which you speak? And then suddenly... <laughs> she usually says that a lot about stuff, because sometimes I just, I don't even understand where my non sequiturs come from. So anyway. Oh, but then suddenly I see somebody on um, Instagram post about it, and I hear it in a podcast. And I'm like, okay, I don't, is this the universe telling me I need to check this out? Or is it just something that's probably been around? And because I've never heard specifically heard someone say the word to me I didn't know what I was even looking at so I'm gonna have to check out and see on that check scale where I am out. yep okay so number nine on our list and this is my last contribution to the list is the pantsuit politics podcast okay I know this isn't grant related but hear me out well, you know, trends and politics can definitely affect what gets funded and what isn't. So I, I would say it's all oh, yeah. related, but go on now. Well, first of all, this is a podcast. Hello, Fundraising Heyday. And Hello. I'm all about giving shout outs to other pat podcasts that I love listening to. Okay. And second of all, as someone who is wanting to change the world for the better, something mm. Kimberly and I have been talking a lot about this season, we need to be aware of what is going on in the world, including federal politics. Okay. And I don't know about you, but I hate watching the news. It, to me, it's always depressing or it's talking heads that are shouting at each other and saying, if you don't agree with me, you're a blankety, blankety, blank, blank, mm. blank. And I don't believe that to be true in any way, shape, or form. And talk about I would be a molten lava of rage if I listened to that stuff. So I just, I kind of have stuck my head in the sand and as far as news goes. Because I just like, I'm like, I just, I don't want to hear it. But that's not a good attitude either. No. no. So I'm so excited that I've discovered Pantsuit Politics. Because the co-host, Sarah and Beth, they use the tagline, Home of Grace-Filled Political Discussions. And that is exactly what their podcast is okay they not only share thoughts but they actually listen to one another and they actually kind of like you and me they have they're on differing sides of the political coin yes yep uh, and not only that they're clearly well read mm. they share their knowledge in a manner that's very easy and enjoyable to listen to um, and they you know they their podcasts are each week they're discussing things that are current in mm -hmm. the news so it's mm -hmm. uh, it's not a daily podcast to find out everything that's going on in the world but they tackle some big topics 
Um, and you know, just things from ideology mm-hmm. to, you know, hey, what's going on in our political climate to other countries, yep. things that are going on. Which is so important because it affects us all. It really does. And one of the things I do talk about is how this, you know, this global world of ours is not as big as it used to be. So you really do need to know more than what's going on in your backyard. Um, and so um, I just think for education purposes, it's smart to listen. They're entertaining to listen to. And I do. I just I love how they can maybe not agree on everything but they can listen to one another and you can tell some of their ideas and thoughts have been shaped and changed Mm -hmm. by one another which I found that over the years that I I have some friends who have changed some of the fundamental things I used to believe um, because you know it's one 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 side is not the answer to everything I guess is what I'm getting at. well and it's civil discourse it's I believe this way because of this. I believe this way because of that. Instead of just automatic yelling and finger yes. pointing and retweeting and whatever. Yes. Whatever. So, pantsuit politics. Agreed. I challenge you to uh, give it a listen and see what you think. So speaking of grace-filled discussions, I'm uh, finishing off our list and you know, it's not just one thing. I think it's just a series of beautiful things that have been unfolding this last year. And it's about sharing and learning. And my most favorite thing about this past season has been sharing what we know and learning from people who are at all stages of their professional development and grant seeking, fundraising, nonprofits, state and local governments. It's been seeing the good, positive changes that people want to bring to the communities they serve. And that's what keeps me inspired when I'm feeling overwhelmed or when I'm being consumed by the molten lava river of rage. <laughs> and that usually comes up when there are news feeds and it's full of hate and violence and people can't even talk about it without yelling and their Twitter storms and name calling and all of this the junk. Junk yeah. instead of honest and civil discourse and consensus building and reform based on the facts and based on including people and what's and out there. And respect. Yeah. It's not enough to help people navigate the existing social and economic systems that currently govern so much of grant making and other funding, right? It's one thing, it's one thing that Amanda and I can share, but it's not the only thing. So my favorite thing from this past season has been learning from people who are not afraid to speak up for what is right. And through my own work, I want to join my voice and my, my, my brain and my heart and my spirit in that deep, hard work toward true and lasting change for the better. I know I'm biased, (laughs) but I love our top 10 list. Oh, me too. From tech to books to all kinds of professional development. And insights and growth. And love. Mm. Yep. We have learned a lot and experienced some greatness this year. So I hope that this list has been helpful to you, our listeners, our friends, our cohort, our, our supporters, tribe. If you find one of our top 10 items to be of service, we would love to hear all about it. If you found them all to be fantastic, we want to hear that too. <laughs> if you hated them all, yeah, you can let us know, but whatever. We'll just try and gracefully change your mind on that. <laughs> um, you can reach out to us via email at fundraisingheyday at gmail.com. And heyday, remember, is spelled H-A-Y-D-A-Y for the purposes of this podcast. Or you can find us on Twitter at 
at funding heyday h-a-y-d-a-y because if you haven't figured it out yet i got kimberly hayes across the way what h-a-y and i'm amanda day so y'all get it right aren't we clever they are smart people (laughs) who are are well accessorized and good looking so they got all this all right so we would love to hear from you yep this is our final episode of season two for fundraising heyday these past few months have been so much fun Kimberly and I look forward to our days behind the mic. You got it. We have so much fun sharing and learning from one another, and we truly hope that comes across and has been helpful to you. Maybe this podcast will be in a top 10 of your favorite things this year. Oh, please. That would be such an honor. So we'd also want to take this time to appreciate this season's sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting, whose support made this season possible thank you so much yes major shout out to uh diane and her crew over there at th leonard consulting and you know what y'all you need to remember this there is no specific college degree in grant writing or fundraising but there are a lot of good people with experience to share training programs and other ways to learn and we would flat out love for this podcast to be one of your favorite ways to learn and here's the trick all you have to do is subscribe and tell a friend let us know what you would like to learn more about You can visit our website and contact us on email at www.fundraisingheyday.com, H-A-Y-D-A-Y. And we're on Twitter at Funding Hey Day. Don't be a stranger. Thanks for listening to season two over these past few months. Until next season, y'all. Bye.